Good morning. I hope you are doing well today. It is a beautiful day today, isn't it? Uh, we're going to celebrate communion at the end of the service today. I know that it says in the bulletin, communion will be served. I just want you to know that it will be at the end of the, the service. And uh, so if you're wondering when that's going to happen, that's when it's going to be. Uh, we're, with the exception of Father's Day this month, we are uh, in a series of messages called Lost. Now, I couldn't get a broken down airplane up here, um, you know, like, the, like the, the series that was on TV for a number of years, um, and I, I, I couldn't get a flock of sheep up here either. Um, so, but this is a series called Lost, and it looks at uh, three of the parables contained in Luke chapter 15, and uh, dealing with lost things. And if you've never heard about what a parable is, a parable is a story. It's an illustration that Jesus used to communicate some form of spiritual truth, and it was always on a deeper level than the story actually was. He was always communicating something deeper. Those that were his followers, they didn't always get it right away. Have you ever had somebody say something and you didn't get it right away, and later that day you go, aha, now I got it. Are you with me? I, I feel like sometimes on Sunday afternoons, you guys are doing that with me. I'm just, I'm, sometimes I, I think that may happen. Um, but the people that were, um, the, the, the Bible calls them Pharisees. They were the, the religious, um, they were religious lawyers. They, they were lawyers on the, on the law of Moses um, I, I know that sounds, that sounds weird, but it was a theocracy for, for hundreds of years, and so um, that, that, that doesn't translate to us today. Lawyers are about civic law, but these lawyers, they actually governed religious law, and um, they would listen right along with the rest of, of, of the culture, and they couldn't get the meaning. The, the, the uneducated people, they understood the stories or eventually they got it. The religious leaders never got it. It was as if they were blinded by the truth or blinded to the truth. And so today we're going to look at the first of these stories and Jesus in this particular setting, he is speaking to those religious leaders, the Pharisees, he is speaking to sinners, and he's speaking to tax collectors. And these are three separate classes of people that I want you to understand each have their place in society. The tax collectors are Jews that are working for the Romans. The sinners are those that are, are people that the Pharisees consider to be unclean as it relates to worship in the temple. These people couldn't just go into the temple and worship. They were considered literally unclean. And the Pharisees considered themselves to be the ones that were clean and could go in for temple worship. But they're complaining now that the Pharisees, they're talking under their breath. You ever hear somebody talk under their breath? You ever hear that? You can never fully quite make out what they're saying, but you know they're saying something and you know they're not happy. That's these people. The Pharisees are talking under their breath because Jesus is with sinners and tax collectors. 
These people are not worthy enough to worship God in the temple. Why would Jesus be talking to these people? They're muttering that under their breath. They're upset that Jesus is doing it. It's a religious spirit that says, I'm better than you. Man, whenever we encounter that spirit, that is, a, that is not a life-giving spirit. That is a spirit that destroys anything that has life in it. And so that's the spirit that they were coming at this with. So we look at Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse number 3. This story is about a lost sheep. This is the first of the three stories. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let's look at the characters that we find in this first parable that Jesus has told us. The first one is the lost sheep. The lost sheep is really one of the main characters other than the shepherd himself. But what do we know about the lost sheep? Well, we know for certain that this sheep is exactly that. He or she is lost. That's what we know. We know that this sheep comes from a flock of 100 that is now a flock of 99. Now, how many of you have dogs? Anybody have dogs? Yeah, we got, anybody have cats? Do you have cats? Do your pets have collars? You, you put collars on your pets? Anybody? Uh, we, we had dogs uh, for uh, several years, and, um, and they were big dogs, and it's fun to get, you know, collars for your dogs, and then you get it engraved, their name on the collar. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't look at me like I'm weird, okay? I know I'm weird, just don't look at me like I'm weird. Uh, that you, you, put your, you put the dog's name on the collar, and you put your address on the, on the collar, right? And you put your phone, like the dog actually has a cell phone, okay? You put, the, you put all of that information on there. One time, we, uh, we got a phone call. Our dog was missing for several days. Uh, or may, maybe it was part of a day. I, I, um, but we got a call, and somebody who was over at the crossroads by the intersection of 480 and 553 found our chocolate lab. Now, we don't live very far from there, but that's a very dangerous intersection. And because of the dog's collar, they were able to call us and drive that few blocks, and they literally dropped the dog off at home, at our house, okay, because of that. This, in this story, that is not possible, okay, because... Uh, well, first of all, there are no cell phones, okay? Um, and there were no engraving machines. We do not read that this lost sheep has a collar on. We don't read that this lost sheep got, got lost in an intersection or anywhere where there was people. In fact, the Bible does reveal that this is in the, the open country in the wilderness. 
and this sheep is lost, and it is not able to find its way back. Now, we know that the sheep belonged to a shepherd that was going to be looking for it, but apart from that, we don't know anything else about the sheep. But let me ask you this question. What does it mean for the sheep to be lost? It means that it was separated from the care of its shepherd. It had no way to get back to its flock. And probably most importantly, that it was vulnerable. Sheep have no defensive mechanisms. They are not a predator. They are prey to every predator that would be in the wild. They have no way to defend themselves. Their general um, defense mechanism is flocking up, okay? And do you know what that means? That means I'm going to hide behind you so you get eaten first. That's their defense mechanism, okay? They have no real defenses. They don't even run and scatter on their own. They run together the way a group of birds would fly together. A group of sheep move across flat ground the same way. They stay together trying to hide one behind the other, the strength being in the numbers that they will just be able to avoid capture. But that's, that, that's, that's pretty tough. That's vulnerable. They're vulnerable to thieves and predation. They, uh, they're, they're, they're vulnerable to injury. And our lost sheep, from the scripture, we don't read anything about whether that sheep was male or female. Now, lots of places in the scripture, the scripture will point out if a sheep is particularly a male, and it will either refer to it as a male lamb or it will refer to it as a ram. Here in this scripture, we don't read either one. Our sheep is not identified, but we know that it's from a flock of a hundred sheep, and a flock of a hundred sheep might contain no more than one mature ram. Now you have to think about this in terms of a flock and growing a flock and, and, and keeping a flock healthy. There would be one male ram, generally speaking, adult male ram in that flock of 100. I had to do research. I'm sure that if someone would have walked in my office, they thought, this guy just wants to start a sheep farm. No, I don't want to start a sheep farm. I want to, I want to be able to, to learn something about what this means. And so a flock of 100 sheep, they're going to have basically one male ram. They're going to have the lambs from the spring that will be male and female. And then they're going to have the ewes, which are the sheep, the females that, that reproduce on a, daily, on a yearly basis. So the vast majority of the flock is going to be the ewes, the females. But... There's also going to be females and males that are, that are younger. They're less than six months old. And so more than likely, this particular sheep that we're talking about, the lost sheep, uh, the best guess is that it is a young female, a female, or a young male. That is the vast majority of the flock. But there's one thing that is for certain, to be lost is an, an absolute certainty that death is nearby. 
to be separated from the shepherd. We, we read in the scriptures a lot of things about sheep, and we, we read that, that sheep need to be protected. We, we read about the job of the shepherd, and to be separated from the flock, to be separated from the shepherd, means that's, that you're separated from the only two things that you could be protected from, and literally, you are lunch waiting to be served. So what's the value of the sheep? Now, simple math. What would the value of this sheep be? Somebody want to venture a guess? Simple math. 1%. Thank you. The the value of this sheep would be 1% of the flock, right? You have a flock of 100, and you have one sheep that's lost out of that. The value of that is 1%. Now, the value of, of sheep is different sheep to sheep, okay? Uh, the value of a female, a ewe, is based on what? It'd be based on her ability to produce offspring, right? That's her value. So her value would be different. Now, sheep are, they're naturally seasonal breeders. There's a rut in the fall. There's birthing in the spring. And most breeds um, reach maturity well under a year. Uh, Generally, by six months, they have reached breeding maturity. Okay, so when we look at this, by fall, the yearlings would all be of breeding age, and the males would most likely either be eaten or sold to support the family. Do you get what I'm saying? Because you're not going to keep a whole bunch of rams. What you want is a bunch of females so that they can continue to be bred. So you will sell off or butcher the young males as they are born into the flock. The ewes that are in their prime can produce an average of two lambs each spring, and that's, that's kind of considered the norm. A young, a young ewe might only produce one, but a, a good producing ewe could produce even triplets on a yearly basis. And so as we look at these this flock of 100 sheep, there could be upwards of 80 females, 80 ewes, that will will be able to produce a lamb or multiple lambs come the spring. So those 80 females, they could produce anywhere from, from 80 to another 160 lambs by the spring of the next year. So the current flock of 100 by the next spring could be it could be 260. It could, it, could, it could expand exponentially. Now, the natural mortality rate, the, 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 the conditions for, for breeding or, or the harvesting or selling of young males are all going to take an impact on the number, but that 100 sheep normally would grow significantly on an annual basis. And if that sheep were a young male that was lost, his value would be very, very little. Because he's just, he's just a, 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 he's a feeder. He's either going to get sold or he's going to get eaten. But either way, he's not going to be in the flock very much longer. If that, if that sheep happens to be a, a, a young ewe that's a yearling, her value is going to be based on, on her future potential to give birth to other sheep. Maybe it's a mature ewe and she's valuable because she has produced in the past and she will continue. But the shepherd ultimately 
ultimately is the one who places the value on the animal. A ewe in, in, a, in a course of five years, she could, she could produce 10 to 15 lambs. And so that would be her purpose. That would be her value. So how does this lost sheep that we know very little about, how does that sheep become found? Whether its value is great or whether its value is little, how does that sheep become found? Well, let's look at that. And I want to give you a news flash. There are no stories about sheep who magically wander back home. We just don't read any of those stories. Sheep, by their very nature, are wanderers. They, they, once they get started, they don't stop. They just keep going. And it's only through the effort of the shepherd that the sheep will be able to be found and to be returned home. And according to the parable, the shepherd leaves the 99 that are not lost. And get this, he leaves them alone in the open country. This is where I start to struggle with this parable. Okay? I'll look at it mathematically. There's one sheep. That's one one hundredth of the flock. And I'm going to leave the 99 which are not lost. And I'm going to go out and look for that one that is lost. Aren't I, in essence, by leaving the 99, causing the 99 to become lost? Because I'm not with them. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that the shepherd leaves the one and it's only, or leaves the 99 and it's only through the effort of the shepherd. And according to the parable, he leaves the 99 and they are exposed to the same thieves. They are exposed to the same predation. They are exposed to the same elements and the same injury. But what's the difference between the two? One is lost, the others are found. Even though the shepherd leaves them, they are still found. I can't explain that to you, but that's what we see. The shepherd leaves those that are found and he looks for the one that is lost. In fact, he pursues the one that is lost. The reason that he leaves is because the sheep is lost, the others are found. There's no need to look for them. They are found. I don't get this when it comes to animal husbandry, but Jesus is making a point to us that those who are found are found. I'm leaving and I'm going to look for those ultimately who are lost. How valuable would a sheep need to be before the shepherd could justify leaving the flock to retrieve the lost sheep? That, see, that's how I think. How valuable would that, that's in the natural. How valuable would that one need to be? And God is telling you and I that no matter what, if it's a young male that has virtually no value, or it's a you that has produced three uh, lambs every spring, whatever the value is, he sets that value and they're valuable enough to leave the 99 because they're not lost, they're found, and go and search for the one that is lost. Do you remember King David, the author of the 23rd Psalm? He was a shepherd and he writes this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 34. He said, but David said to Saul, 
your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When, I, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. You see, the only way that the sheep would survive would be through the protection of the shepherd. David didn't ask himself, I wonder if this sheep is valuable. He just responded immediately and he seized that lion or that bear by the hair, struck it and he killed it. He set the value for that sheep. Let's look for a minute at the 99. Did you know that the Bible compares people with sheep many times. Psalm 100 in verse 3 says this. It says, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. In Psalm 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd. That makes David a sheep. So someone who has lived his life as a shepherd willingly says, I'm a sheep because the Lord is my shepherd. So what you mean to tell me is that the Bible compares me to an animal. The answer to that is yes. But that's not all. It's an unintelligent animal. It's not even a smart animal, okay? I mean, if you're a horse person, you, you love horses, you think they're the smartest, the best animals in the world. If you're, if you're a dog person, you think they're the best animal, the smartest animal, and everything they do, we, we put human qualities to it, and they're just, they're practically human because they're so smart and we love them. If you're a hamster person, you're just in big trouble, okay? There's nothing I can give you for that. But they're unintelligent they're directionless, they wander, they're weak, they're unable to defend themselves, they have no defense mechanisms whatsoever, and not only that, every time they lay down, there is the threat that they may not be able to get back up. Some of us feel like we face this threat on a daily basis. I don't know if I can get back up. But you see, sheep, over the course of the year, that Wool grows long and it gets matted down. And when they are able to eat and get comfortable and they lay down, sometimes they tend to roll over on their backs and become what is called cast. Scripture asks, why are you so downcast, my soul? Literally, it means to be turned upside down. And the shepherd would have to come along and grab them by the fur and roll them back onto their right side so that they could stand up. And if the shepherd didn't come along and do that, the gases in their stomach would build up and they would eventually succumb physically and die. So as we look at the 99, we start to learn something. In this parable, uh, we have to ask ourselves, what's the difference between the one lost sheep and the other 99? The lost sheep is what Jesus tells us is the sinner. And the 99 are the ones who are found, and they are what he calls the righteous. Everyone in our lives, we have been that lost sheep at some point in our lives. We've been away from God. We've been the lost sheep. 
the 99, they are the ones that literally the Bible says are in right standing with God. They are righteous before Him. As Scripture says, they don't need to repent. They've already repented. They're already with God. They're already serving God. Look at verse 7 of our text in Luke 15. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than, uh, than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. When we are righteous before the Lord, when we are in right standing before God, we're, we should be in a place where we are living in constant repentance. It's not that we never have to repent again, but we are in right standing with God. That's the 99. They're in right standing with God. They're not perfect, but they're living a life of repentance. We need to realize that each of us came into this world lost. We were born with a sinful nature. This week I came out of rehab in the hospital and I got off the elevator. I got back on the elevator and went to the birthing unit and got to see uh, Christy's baby, Christy and Wayne's baby, um, Bryce, correct? Am I right? Bryce. Um, got to see Bryce. Uh, I'll tell you what, that, that, um, that, it, that gives you a whole new sense when we get to see those little ones. We were all born with a sinful nature. And Bryce's mom and dad are going to find out that Bryce was born with a sinful nature. They're going to find it out, Okay. It's just, it's, I mean, parents, we should all, we should all be Christians, okay, as parents, because we understand the sinful nature that was born into humanity by raising kids, okay? We were all born into that. That lost sheep was born into that, that uh, being separated from God. We've been born with a tendency and a disposition towards sin. We were lost. I love the old hymn of the church that I've heard just recently this last week by John Newton, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was what? Lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That sheep was lost. It's not just that it wasn't with the 99. It was lost in sin. It had no hope. And to be lost means certain death. Not only for the sheep, but for those in this world that are lost and apart from God. It literally means that they are, there is certain death for them in their current condition. But I want you to understand that to be found is to be alive. And finally, the shepherd. The shepherd in the parable of the lost sheep is Jesus. Maybe you already got that. Maybe you already knew that. But the shepherd is Jesus. The Bible talks about Jesus as the shepherd in John 10 Verse 14, Jesus said it this way, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. How many of you know the good shepherd? Do you know the good shepherd? 1 Peter 5, 4, it refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. In Hebrews 13, 20, it says our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. So what is the message of this parable as it relates to the shepherd? It's simply this, that Jesus, the good shepherd, is passionately obsessed 
with the lost. Did you get that? He's passionately obsessed with the lost. We talked about that lost sheep. It may or may not have had value. The shepherd really doesn't think about that. He just goes after it because it's lost. But the shepherd is passionately, passionately concerned about the lost. And he pursues them. Jesus was passionate about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. And Jesus said in verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the what? The lost. Jesus is obsessed with the lost. Back in our text in verse 5 of chapter Luke 15, it says, When he, the shepherd, finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now I want you to notice this. This struck me really odd. The shepherd did not take the lost sheep back to the flock. Isn't that strange? He took it home. He took it home. The, the flock is still out in the open country, in the wilderness, but because they're found, we, we understand that they're okay. The shepherd takes the sheep home, and then he calls his neighbors. He calls his friends and he says, I want you to rejoice with me because my sheep that was lost has now been found. The the one that was literally would have been dead without me finding it is now found and therefore alive. And I want you to celebrate with me. You might be here today and maybe this is the first time you've been here. Maybe you've been here a few times and you say, I don't understand these people in this church. They, They get excited about everything or they get excited about nothing. Do you know why we get excited? You know why we celebrate? We celebrate because the lost have been found. Did you get that? We celebrate because the lost has been found. The shepherd is passionate about the lost and he celebrates the lost coming home. So here's my question. Who are you today? Are you the lost or are you the found? Which one are you? You might ask yourself, how in the world did I get here today? How did I get to this church? You might say, how did, I, how did I get to a place of being lost? Well, we talked about that. We were all born lost. The question is, when do we get found? Maybe you say, man, I know I'm with Jesus. I don't, I don't even know how, I, how it happened. I grew up in a Christian home, and I, I just naturally accepted Jesus into my life. But friends, we are one or the other. We are either lost or found. And we are living in a world that is lost. But the good news is this, that the shepherd is passionately obsessed with finding the lost. Jesus said in Scripture, I will build my church. And whether that's Silver Creek or Harvey Baptist or New Life or or 
Lake Superior Christian Church or North Iron Church, whatever it is, his church should be passionate about recovering the lost. That should be our passion. That should be our desire. The lost who've already been found, it's time for us to become passionate. Jesus is the great shepherd. He hasn't come to make bad sheep good. Okay? He's come to make lost sheep found. I want you to understand that. The Pharisees thought that, that, that those lost sheep, they just needed to become good sheep. Because they were bad. They were sinners. They were tax collectors. But Jesus the good shepherd came so that the lost sheep could become found sheep. So today, if you're a found sheep, man, rejoice. Rejoice. But rejoice more when a lost sheep becomes found. Amen? That's what the shepherd wants to do. You say, Pastor, how did that, how does he do that? How did you, what did Jesus do to find that sheep? Well, I'll tell you what he did for you and I. He went to the cross. He shed his blood for you and I.